Hey, I'm Natasha Crane. And I'm Elisa Childers. Welcome to Unshaken Faith, where we equip you to live your Christian faith boldly in a chaotic culture. Maybe you've already heard about the incredibly popular YouTube channel, Mr. Beast, and one of the regulars on the channel who has just come out as transgender. If you're unfamiliar, Jimmy Donaldson, better known as Mr. Beast, has over 147 million subscribers, and he's a favorite among American families everywhere, including ours. So my family has watched the channel for a couple of years now, and we've enjoyed watching videos of him doing zany stunts like picking a random fan to fly to Paris to buy him a baguette or donating hundreds of thousands of dollars to charities, including paying for LASIK eye surgery for a thousand people all over the world. Well, until recently, Jimmy has remained fairly neutral when it comes to politics and religion. He comes from a Christian background, and my family and I had our fingers crossed that he would remain neutral and just continue surprising fast food workers with $10,000 tips and showing us what it looks like to spend 50 hours buried alive. But that all changed when one of his best friends and co-stars recently announced that he is transitioning from male to female. Since then, Jimmy has ardently defended his friend's choices, and his Wikipedia page now describes him as an American YouTuber, philanthropist, and transgender rights activist. As I said, this has really affected our family and the conversations we've been having. So today, Natasha and I are going to discuss what it looks like to talk with our kids about sensitive issues like transgenderism and when their favorite YouTube celebrity goes woke. But first, some announcements and our tips of the week. Well, if you're a regular listener, you know that our next Unshaken conference with me, Alisa, and Frank Turek is at Calvary Chapel Chino Hills in Southern California on May 6th. That is next Saturday. We can't wait. And it is not too late to get tickets. You still can get tickets for that date at unshakenconference.com, as well as Tucson, Arizona, which will be on September 23rd, and Nashville, Tennessee, which is going to be on November 4th. So be sure if you're in those areas to grab your tickets now. There are a limited number of early bird discounted tickets available for Tucson and Nashville. So you're going to want to get in on that soon before they are gone. And please, if you don't happen to be in the areas, just help us spread the word. If you think this would be a great conference, you'd love to attend if you were closer to it, but know someone else who is, let them know and help them get there. We think it will be a very exciting and hopefully rewarding day. Well, my tip this week is to recognize that being discerning doesn't mean you're not being charitable. To be charitable means to be apt toward judging favorably. It's basically giving people the benefit of the doubt when there's not a clear reason to do otherwise. Now, that those are the key words. I find that a lot of times when I share a warning about something on social media, like the orange curriculum that Elisa and I discussed last week, there will typically be at least one person who comments and basically suggests that we shouldn't critique the work of fellow believers, that we should assume the best, assume that they have the best intentions. In other words, be charitable. However, sometimes there can be clear reasons to be concerned about something, even if we don't happen to see it ourselves, because maybe it's just not a subject that we've personally spent much time on. So sometimes things can sound okay to us that others see a clear red red flag in. It doesn't mean they're not being charitable and pointing out concerns. It's possible there's actually a clear reason to be concerned and not to give the benefit of the doubt 
because there are good reasons to doubt. So it's okay to be discerning. It is okay to say what seems to be a clear concern. And it's okay to question when other people are saying, hey, this is a clear concern. But let's not be overly quick to say, hey, you're not being charitable when someone is bringing up those concerns. Right, because we're living in a culture where disagreement equals hate. So I can see why people would think it's uncharitable just to criticize some ideas. And, you know, some of the worst ideas had the best intentions and motivations behind them. So a person's motivation doesn't necessarily indicate that they're right about something. Well, my tip of the week, because we're going to be talking about transgenderism again, is uh, about parenting. So I think that we need to discuss all these types of topics as early as possible. You want to, as a parent, be the first person to introduce your children to these topics. And I know that can sound so counterintuitive, but there's ways we can do that from a very young age in an age-appropriate way to explain to our kids that their gender and their sex is related to their biology. We can explain to them the difference between a man and a woman and a girl and a boy and use the anatomically correct terms. I really recommend doing that. And I'm so glad that, you know, I haven't done everything great as a parent. I have my own mom guilt moments for sure. But one of the things that my husband and I really tried to be intentional about was having those conversations very early. And that has led to a really open conversation about what we're going to be discussing today with my daughter. So uh, my tip is to start as early as possible and be the first person to introduce these ideas to your kids. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that that's kind of an ongoing theme of a lot of the things that we talk about, right, Elisa, about just wanting kids to be exposed to ideas and and challenges to Christianity, understanding their faith, and that goes for all these cultural issues as well. So we're going to talk today more about how you start to do that at an early age. Well, as Elisa explained in the intro, there have been some significant changes in the world of Jimmy, Mr. Beast, and his popular YouTube channel. Fans started noticing when Jimmy's best friend, first subscriber, and longtime co-star Chris Tyson began painting his nails, growing his hair out, and wearing more feminine clothing. This came as a bit of a shock as the theme of the channel was just really about a bunch of guys who were hanging out doing silly stunts, occasionally giving a lot of money away to good causes, and so on. Well, recently Chris announced that he had started hormone replacement therapy, and he appeared in the latest videos wearing tight jeans with a midriff-bearing top, and then he showed up at the Nickelodeon Kids' Choice Awards with curled hair, makeup, and women's clothing. Chris also has a two-year-old son and has announced that he and his wife separated over a year ago. He says they're in the process of quote-unquote finalizing things, so it, it at least sounds like they're divorcing. The response on social media has been a bit mixed. Some have expressed disappointment and have said he's abandoning his wife and not setting a good example for his son. Others have, of course, celebrated the decision and see it as an indication of progress. Well, amid the social media firestorm, Jimmy has backed his friend and said on Twitter that all the quote-unquote transphobia is making him angry. Okay, so what does all this mean for our kids? When I ask that question, I don't only mean for those who have been watching Mr. Beast. This is just a very fresh example of one influencer transitioning, but given the direction of culture, you can expect that we're going to see this more and more. So when it does happen, should we completely isolate our kids from that subsequent content and shut down exposure, or should we expose them to the ideas of culture 
while they're under our roof. That's what we want to dig into. Well, I'll give a few basic thoughts from my end, and then I want to turn it back to Elisa because this has affected her family personally. But I'll start by saying that I don't think that there's necessarily a black and white answer. Age plays a huge role in the decision for me personally. If I had a child in early elementary school watching this, I would definitely tell them it's not a show they're allowed to watch anymore. I would explain why in simple terms. God made people, male and female, and a lot of people today want to rebel against how God designed them by trying to live like the opposite sex. Since there's someone in this show doing that, we're not going to watch it anymore. That's it. I wouldn't want my young child who can't fully understand the complexity of those issues yet to continually see this presented in a positive light. And when your kids are young, you still have the ability to pretty extensively control what they're consuming. So that's perfectly feasible. In fact, I'd personally recommend just not giving your kids access to YouTube as long as you can, but that's a whole other subject. So when Elisa and I are saying, yes, introduce things to your kids early, that doesn't mean they have to continue to watch everything as early as possible. It means we're talking to them about the ideas very early on, and then we're also monitoring and potentially limiting the exposure to continually seeing them presented in a positive light. Those are two very different things. So I just want to make that clear. Well, as they get older over the elementary years, part of discipleship is exposing them to more and more ideas in the world. And we've been really intentional about that in our house. Our kids are 14, 14, and 12 now. And we've always wanted them to know that they're in a worldview minority as Christians, and they're going to be surrounded by far more people who are not like-minded than those who are. So to that end, we have talked throughout middle school about basically every cultural issue that's out there. And I'm confident that they understand this one, the transgender issue, very well from a biblical perspective and the complexities around it. So at this age, if they watch Mr. Beast, for me, I'm not going to tell them that they should stop because someone transitioned unless they're personally convicted that they don't want to support the channel. And where do you draw that line? Someone might be thinking, well, is that 11? Is that 10? That's going to have to be a personal decision based on the age and the maturity of your kids. But in general, I think those are kind of two ends of the age spectrum. What do you think, Elisa? I know that you know there are, there's a lot more that we could say in terms of caveats yeah. and, and exceptions and, and everything, but this has affected you personally. How are you handling it with your kids? Yeah, well, I just echo what you said about the maturity level, the age level, and that there really isn't a black and white thing for every kid and every family. For example, in our house, we have one kid who is not allowed to watch YouTube at all due to the age and the maturity level, the inability to control, um, you know, their, themselves when it comes to just clicking on anything. So that's just off the table for one. But for the other, um, this has actually affected my daughter quite profoundly. She's loved Mr. Beast for a long time. She actually got to meet one of the stars of the show when she encountered him at the mall and took a picture with him. Um, so uh, it's been hard. And she actually wanted me to speak out about it, which which surprised me because she's very private, but she wanted me to share some of her thoughts and the way that she's responded to it. Um, so I'll give some preliminary stuff and then talk a little bit more about that. I think that leading up to this moment, I've always tried to prepare my kids for a moment like this. And how I've done that is um, in the past when my daughter has expressed excitement about the fact that maybe one of her favorite Christ YouTubers has a Christian background, or maybe they mentioned Jesus and they're like, oh mom, they mentioned Jesus. I think they're a Christian. I've always tried to stay positive about that. Well, that's so awesome. I'm so glad they're mentioning Jesus, but a lot of people mention Jesus. It doesn't mean that they're actually Christians. They might just kind of think Jesus was a good guy. They might come from a Christian home or even go to church, but 
we always talk about what does it mean to be a Christian? It means you've personally trusted in Christ and he's Lord of your life. You have given your life to Jesus, repented and trusted in him. And I don't know if this person has done that. I hope they have, and I, I'm going to remain positive, but I just didn't want their minds to be blown when something like this happens. And the, the other thing I've tried to do is cultivate an environment where we don't have to agree with someone on absolutely everything in order to enjoy some of their content. So that's teaching our kids discernment, whether or not to stop watching the channel altogether or to watch cautiously and prayerfully. Also, as a mom, I'm kind of checking out my kids' responses and are they falling for this or are they, they seem pretty clear about it? Deciding each kid's maturity level when it comes to culture and in particularly the big hot button issue of sexuality. Uh, so Natasha, you've written several books on how to talk to our kids about a wide variety of issues. What advice would you give to parents who might have found themselves just kind of blindsided by something like this? Well, really similar to, to what you said. I mean, my biggest piece of advice is to recognize that discipleship is about training up our kids with a biblical worldview. It's not just picking off individual issues as they come up. It's being prepared for that moment. And in fact, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of parents make. I often get asked at speaking events about how to talk with kids about these kinds of issues in the LGBT area. And I find that if I ask the same person who asked me that question, what is your child's view of the Bible right now? Very often the parent will admit that they really don't know where their child is at with the Bible. And so if you have a child who accepts the Bible as God's authoritative word, your conversation about their favorite influencer transitioning is going to be very different than if you have a child who doesn't know what to make of the Bible who, or who explicitly rejects it. So the, it's it's always startling to me that so many parents just go straight to the question of how do I talk about this issue or that issue without knowing first if their child even sees the Bible as the authoritative source on reality. So I think that's the, the first starting point. So ultimately, my advice then is to focus on the long term and developing that biblical worldview. That means the basics that we're always talking about, family Bible study, attending church regularly, praying together, consistently training your kids with an understanding of apologetics. How do you make a case for and defend the truth of Christianity? So when you do that, instead of something like this becoming a major event, it becomes simply another example to talk about. It becomes a teachable moment. But like you're saying, it really does depend on the child. So even if you're doing your best to raise kids with a biblical worldview, different kids are going to be influenced differently mm -hmm. on things like this. So if you have an older kid and you feel like, hey, they are particularly vulnerable to influence on this particular subject, you shouldn't feel bad for one second if you pull the plug and say, hey, this is just not a show that we're going to watch anymore. I, I talked to um, my my daughter recently, and she had mentioned how someone she knows who goes to another school said that she has a lot of transgender friends. Well, statistically speaking, that that's impossible to have in mm -hmm. one school, a lot of transgender friends, if you look at the historical data. Now, today, that's not impossible because today there are a, um, a lot, there's a lot of evidence that there is a social contagion, especially amongst adolescent girls. And so you find that when you see or you hear that there's that kind of influence going on in your child's environment, in that case, I don't care if your child is 17. It's not an age issue. It's about the amount of influence that they're under. If there's a lot of that going on in their school, then that might just be an issue where you have to say, we're not going to watch this anymore. Mm -hmm. 
That's so good because there is an appropriate time to completely pull the plug on everything. If I had a child who was still under my care as a minor and they were being sucked into all this, I would completely cut them off of the, you know, of so well, they're not on social media, but no YouTube, nothing that would expose them and just let them detox from these cultural messages. So there's definitely an appropriate time to do that. Uh, and then the second point I would say is start, you know, talking about is like my tip of the week, start talking about these topics as early as possible, establish the communication. And I've had some of the best talks with my daughter over this whole thing where she has expressed um, some really insightful uh, just comments about what she's processing as this whole thing unfolds. And one of those things is that it sort of has destroyed the heart of what the channel always was. The channel was always very politically and religiously neutral. It uh, was just a bunch of guys. In fact, they'd always said, we don't have girls on the show because we're just a bunch of dudes hanging out. Well, now that's not you know, in their minds, the case anymore. And that's brought a whole bunch of confusion and awkwardness to the channel. And so I know that it's been incredibly confusing for her, but I'm so glad she's been able to communicate those things. And I know that that's been really healthy and good for her. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of times parents will hear this kind of conversation and say, you know, I I just don't want to have to introduce my kids to these things that Mm. early. The reality is, is that unless you're homeschooling and you don't leave the house at all, they're going to encounter these things, even at your church. I mean, you know, some people might be in a very unique situation where they live in an area where none of this is going on. And so even at their local church, they're, they're not encountering any of these kinds of things. But for most people, your kids are going to hear about it. And it's not as difficult as you might imagine to talk about these things. It is unfortunate. We, we all wish that we don't, didn't have to address these things so early. But especially on transgenderism, I think that's a fairly easy conversation to have even with a young kid. You can describe it just like I did at the beginning about saying, here's how God made people. We are male and female, but some people want to rebel against God's design and live as the opposite sex. It's a pretty easy thing to communicate. The complexities around the issue, th- that's, that's a whole other thing. Your kids don't have to know that much when they're young to understand this is against God's design. So I wish we didn't have to talk about these things, but we do. And and finally, I would just say, you know, don't panic over things like this. Even if it really, you know, gets to your kids, it's upsetting. Of course, God is not surprised by this cultural moment. And we can share that with our kids. The Holy Spirit is not hindered by the chaos in culture. And make no mistake, it is chaos. But the fact that it's chaos actually makes it a really good teachable opportunity about the beauty of God design. So for example, I went and I grabbed one of Chris Tyson's tweets and it's, it's something that I'm going to talk with my kids about later because it is a good teachable moment. He said, quote, I won't let people talk about how I abandoned my child. He's the only priority in my life. I have his love and support and that's all I need. I'm doing this for him. And if that confuses you, educate yourself. If that makes you mad, leave simple end quote. You know, in secularism, happiness is the ultimate goal. And that is so blatantly obvious here. You you see exactly that. In the wake of this transition, a small child's entire world was broken. Chris is fooling himself into thinking that it's for his kid because he will now be happier. Happiness is the goal for him. And so he thinks that that is going to benefit his kid. Well, this is a good example of the chaotic fruit of a secular worldview that's lived on the authority of yourself and your subjective preferences. God's design for our lives and our families leads to beauty. Our own design leads to destruction. We certainly should not be happy that these examples exist that we can take to our kids, but if they do exist, let's use them as a moment where we can share with our kids the beauty of God's design. 
That's really good. And I think just thinking through these topics, I, I think it's just the, the key point is that there's no black and white answer on how to parent each kid through some of these things. And I just want to speak to the parents who you feel like maybe you've blown it or it's too late to start this stuff. Uh, don't feel that, you know, you, you can't obviously go back and start when they're super young if you didn't do that. But you can always do what we call in our family a reboot or a reset. You can get your kids together and say, hey, guys, you know, we haven't really talked about this stuff up until now. And that's where we really dropped the ball. But we want to just open up conversations now and we're going to try to do better. So, and then just open up the conversation and it might take a little while to get the kids comfortable with talking, you know, with you about things like this. But here's the other thing. Kids turn out all kinds of ways, no matter what kind of a home they came from. There are parents who are the most perfect parents and raise their kids with a biblical worldview and their kids walk away. And then there are other cases where kids are really strong Christians who come from a pretty secular pagan home. So it's not all on you. You're not the Holy Spirit. But what we can do as parents is our best to open up these conversations early, point our kids to truth, give them a biblical worldview and model the beauty of the gospel in front of them. So thanks for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe to the Natasha Crane podcast and the Elisa Childers podcast for more long form episodes where we go deeper into topics like these. But for now, let's remember that as Christians, we have a firm foundation to stand on that as Psalm 62 puts it, is our rock and salvation, our fortress where we will never be shaken. 